Running an agency is so rewarding, but challenging at the same time. And it can be damn frustrating as you grow, right? For most agency owners, the goal of stepping into the CEO role is top of mind, but can feel impossible at times. When it comes to team structure, how can you set your agency up to lose control and trust your team while you step into the driver's seat? We want to know everything that Karen's putting in place in her agency, and we'll be treating this as our personal mentorship session so we can learn best practices that set our team up for success. Welcome to the Happy Clients Podcast, brought to you by Dot and Company. Whether you're a virtual assistant, an agency owner, or a client-facing account manager, we all deal with clients. Lucky for you, client management is what we do best. Now, let's dig in. That can life and have some fun along the way. Here's the Happy Client. Welcome to the Happy Clients Podcast. We're so excited to have you, Karen, and. We're selfishly excited just to pick your brain because you've been in the agency world for so long, even keeping clients for so long that we're excited to kind of learn your best tips and tricks to not only letting go of control in your agency, but also like how your clients work and how, how you keep them for so long. Well, I'm really excited to be here because I've been following what you guys have been doing and I'm fascinated by it. <laughs> and I think it's a, a big a big key to uh, what a lot of us agencies are trying to do and make no mistake, letting go is a constant work in progress. <laughs> yeah. I think for every business owner, right? Absolutely. Yeah. But even just like, if you can just get a little bit more removed every day soon, your agency will just be kind of running its own and you'll yeah. feel a little bit more free. That's what it's about, right? Because I think we see people who've accomplished or accomplished, they, they probably are still working on something too, but we see people who've accomplished something and we try to start with the end and say, okay, well, by next week, I need my agency to work like that. But you're right. It's, it's about taking one tiny piece at a time and doing it. Yeah. Every single day. Right. And I find even with us, it's like you get three steps ahead and then you take one or two steps back and you just like question everything, you know? And, and I think <laughs> it's important to realize that that's just like normal and that's, that's business and that's how you grow a business. And when you look back, it's like, wow, we are so much further ahead than we thought we would be. But every day kind of feels like a tornado comes through. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of the point of the letting go and, and getting a team to support you so that every day doesn't feel like you've been hit by a truck and, <laughs> and you can actually take the time to take a breath and look back and see what you've accomplished. That's, I think that's a huge thing that a lot of entrepreneurs just don't take the time to do because we're looking ahead to what we want to build next. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think entrepreneurship can be so lonely at times. And if you're on your own, you might just think, oh, I don't want a team because I don't want to have to manage people. But like, it's lonely if you don't have people to just bounce ideas off and like share wins and losses and just have people like Katie and I said yesterday, like, I don't know what I would do without her. And I know it's cheesy, but it's just having other people to like talk to. And it's like even a different perspective, right? Just somebody else to share in your ideas. And it's a little narcissistic to think you get it right every single time, right? Oh, if you're, if you're in business long enough, you absolutely figure out that you cannot get it right all the time. And that a different perspective is incredibly valuable and will prevent a lot of big mistakes. But I think the interesting thing is when people build teams and they're still lonely because they're not really letting their team in and they're not really letting go. And so they've got this team around them. They've got all the support around them, at least on paper, it looks like they do, uh, but it still feels pretty lonely if you're not 
really leveraging your team. Yeah, I agree. So let's get into it, Karen. So tell us about you. What's your background? How did you become an agency owner? What are you super passionate about outside of business? Tell us everything about you. <laughs> I don't think this podcast is long enough, um, but I'll, I'll just kind of say my background is in corporate consumer products. And so I worked with uh, big apparel manufacturing companies and that was a bulk of my corporate life. And so I worked with big box retailers like Walmart and Target and uh, Kohl's and then movie studios on the flip side of things like Disney, Marvel, Warner Brothers and managed licensed consumer products. So that was my jam. When I left in 2012, I continued to do the same thing, but as my own agency representing lots of different categories of manufacturers. So beyond apparel and quite like, I think a lot of agencies, I got into digital marketing somewhat on accident because people, there was just the demand was overwhelming. And so, and a lot of people don't know, you say you're in marketing, they're like, oh, marketing is marketing. Right. And so you're doing, you know, contracts, licensed consumer product, products contracts for them. And they're saying, well, hey, could you also figure out this whole Facebook thing? <laughs> and so eventually after enough requests, we started to dip our toes into that market a little bit. And the demand was just so overwhelming that we ended up in about 2014. So I started my agency in 2012, 2014, we pivoted toward digital marketing uh, by 2016, we were all in and at the stage that I was starting to coach other agency owners and freelancers, just in helping them overcome the same obstacles that I had just had to overcome. So that, that was that was how I ended up in, in digital marketing. Wow. And what a huge jump from like working for someone else to just starting your own thing. How did that kind of work? Were you freelancing or did you like start knowing you were going to start an agency or... I started knowing that I was going to start an agency. I didn't have a clear idea in my head of what that meant, like how big the team was going to be, what the roles were. I was really, um, the beauty of it was really that I didn't overthink it. I just, Mm. I I did a little bit of planning, but then I jumped in and I started doing it. But yeah, I I don't think it was, it was not nearly as planned as maybe I would like to say that it was. (laughs) But I think that's good because taking a big jump from like a big corporate environment to your own thing. If you overthink it, you probably wouldn't be here right now. But you know, I was, I was so ready and I'm not a, I'm not a, a person that will bash the corporate life. Do I, do I want to go back at this time? No, but I think it gave me such a strong foundation and interesting. It's interesting that we noticed on the team a while back that almost not everybody, but a, quite a large number of the people that we've hired have had a corporate background. We didn't necessarily think about that during the hiring process, but I think there's an attraction to people who have a touch of corporate where they understand processes and working Mm cross-functionally yet they appreciate having the freedom that maybe you don't always get inside of corporate. Yes. You are speaking to the right people. (laughs) There's people that that's for them, right? Like corporate be, you know, the cubicle office life. And then there's people that need the balance, like the flexibility and being sort of your own boss and have that entrepreneurial spirit. Like we are definitely those people kind of best of both worlds, but it does make a lot of sense to have that experience. Exactly. I'm so grateful for that experience and everything that it taught me and what I've been able to carry through. And admittedly, when I first started the agency, I was like, Woohoo, no red tape, no processes. Yeah. It's going to be amazing. I'll do what I want to do. And yeah, it doesn't take long to realize like, oh, those processes are for a reason. And you start mm-hmm. to find your way back somewhere toward the center uh, of balance for yourself. Yeah. And it's not like 
I know for me coming from a corporate background too, like it's not, we don't want to work. It's just that we want to have a little bit more flexibility because most, like a lot of us in agency world are like creative people, right? We need space to be creative and we don't need to be in this little box. So I think finding that balance of like, we still want to work hard. We just want to be a little bit more on our own terms. And I think that's kind of how you, like exactly how you explained it. Like you get your way back to this medium part. Yeah. In fact, I think entrepreneurs go the other way to the other extreme and they, they throw the eight to five out the window. And to be honest, I wasn't just an eight to five at corporate. Like I think that entrepreneurial spirit was always kind of there and I was always pushing and pushing and pushing. And so when, when you're doing it for yourself, you actually have to, at some point figure out, Hey, I need some work-life balance. And the pushing is actually, I need to push myself to regulate a little bit Mm -hmm. and to focus on myself and on my life and not just work 16 hour days. Exactly. And that takes time. You have to go through that to really know it. Exactly. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So tell us more about brand central marketing, what you guys specialize in, and maybe that's changed over the years, but what kind of makes you guys special? Yeah, it has changed over the years. And I think that's the thing that I don't want people to be afraid of, like pick who you serve and focus on, on that niche or that, that group of people, but you're not married to it as things change, as things pivot, as the beauty of having your own agency is that you can make those adjustments as you go when you need to make them. But um, at this time, we serve coaches, course creators, and a lot of local businesses in just end-to-end lead generation with Facebook ads, funnels, and messenger bots. So in a cool. nutshell, we are, yeah, we're tracking that lead from, from bringing them in all the way through getting that revenue in a business owner's pocket. And I think the thing that makes us unique or total weirdos, however you want to look at it, is that we are crazy focused on analytics. And so we lean really heavily on analytics, bringing them in. So building the analysis, interpreting the data, and then building the strategy around that. Mm -hmm. And we've actually started to support other agencies in doing that and businesses directly with just understanding what their numbers are telling them so that they know what to do next. Yeah. And how much of that would you tell clients? Like when you're looking at the data, are you telling the clients everything or what pieces would you pull out and just tell them? Everything. Well, well, we're completely transparent with our clients and with our team. So transparency is huge for us. So there's nothing that we're ever holding back from clients. And in fact, they have access to live reporting that they can go look at any time. If they wake up at 2 a.m. and they're, they've got anxiety about what's going on with their Facebook ads, they can go look. So it is very transparent because I think when things are not going well, it's doesn't have to be an emotional thing. And, and we're on the same side of things as our uh, clients, our partners. We're not, we don't see ourselves as I'm on this side and you're on that side. If you do, then I think you're just kind of pulling in a way that's never going to bring you guys a success you want. So we're on the same side of things. We're sharing the data. And when things are bad, we're proving it with data and saying, this is what the data is telling us we need to do to get you results. When things are good, we're letting them know where things are good so that they know what to do more of and how they can leverage those results. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I think a lot of clients get kind of intimidated by the data. So if you're positioning it, like everything is structured around the data, it just gives this level of confidence and like, it's not all on you. It's not all on your media buyers, right? These are the numbers. Here's what we're trying to improve on. And like, just letting clients see through and understand that I think is just so incredibly important and like lacking in the industry a little bit. 
Yeah, a lot of people are scared of Facebook ads and how overwhelming it is and how much money you know is going out and they're not clear on the money that's coming in or, or what's going on. And we tell people part of Facebook ads is definitely getting the leads, getting the purchases, but you're also buying data, valuable data. And you know, I think if they don't understand the investment that they're making and they feel like they're flying blind, then who wouldn't be a little anxious? Oh, for sure. Yeah. And I think that speaks to like, I think that's so valuable for agency owners to even know that Karen, just that not everybody's a perfect fit and Facebook advertising isn't for everybody. If you don't have that sort of mindset, like it does make a huge difference as client account managers. It makes our job really difficult sometimes when they don't understand that. Right. So I think that's super valuable because kind of these these early birds or, you know, new to the Facebook table, they can definitely just be not difficult, but just not as understanding, which makes most jobs within the agency a little more difficult. Yeah. Expectation setting, I think is, is everything in client selection. And so we have, we have really strong retention rates as compared to the industry. And while I do think we're really good at what we do, Part of it is really that we are good at client selection or we've gotten better at it over the years. And so we're looking to see, A, can we really knock that out of the park for this person? Not A, can we really sell this person? Because that's not what it's about. Can we really get this person the results with a high degree of confidence that they want to get? Um, and the second piece is, are we a good personality fit? And if we're not, it doesn't even mean that there's anything at all wrong with the client or the prospect. It may just mean that there's a communication, there's something that's not jiving with the communication. And if yep. communication's not working, nothing's working. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Taylor and I can relate to that. But okay. um, I think that is super, super valuable. And I'm sure your very first day opening up your agency and like that was a very different story. Like you got here for a reason, right? So. Oh yeah, oh yeah. We <laughs> If somebody would pay attention to us, we're like, oh, the phone rang. So exactly. you, know, you don't know, and you're, you're kind of just taking on what you can. And, you know, a lot of people, when they come to us, they have stories of having been burned by their agencies or they're angry. And, you know, I think one of the things that I like to let people know is, look, they're not just bad people necessarily. I'm not saying they're no bad people, but a lot of times they don't know what they don't know. And that was us at one point. It, we never told people we could do things that we couldn't we we did we thought we could do things right like and, and you start to learn over time that what you're really really good at so yeah I think that's that's really key mm -hmm. yeah so I just have a quick question about like bringing in proper clients do you have a process of like a sales process that you go through and like when you get to that personality fit is there certain metrics that they have to hit or is it kind of a gut feeling <laughs> It's a little bit of both. It is a little bit of a gut feeling. Like there are certain red flags that you start to look for that just have happened with repetition over and over again. You're like that never ends well. I'm not doing that again. Mm. Uh, but it, when you build a team and you have salespeople and you're not the one on sales calls, you do have to formalize that and make it a little bit more concrete. So we do have a client criteria and we were pretty transparent even in the sales process of what this is going to take. And sometimes in the sales process, when you really want the sale, it's easy to leave out the stuff that doesn't work well. Like, and I tell people, I think we unsell people more than we sell people. And, and that is just as important as selling people because if they're, and, and I tell people all the time, if you're on the edge, if this is uncomfortable, if this is your last dollar, this is not the right approach for you. 
and, and we'll give them some tips about how to get themselves in a position where they would be a great client for us down the road. Mm-hmm. I love that. Valuable. I love that, Karen. Yeah. In terms of team structure, um, as an agency owner, what do you see are kind of the main roles required in an agency? What does yours look like ideal or now, or what's, right. what's your recommendations? I think it's the things that you don't need to be doing anymore. And for everyone initially, it's different because a question that comes up a lot is who is the first hire? Well, mm-hmm. I think it's different for every agency owner, right? It's the thing that you need to get yourself out of the most. And so we're, we observe like, where am I spending the maximum amount of time that is not something that someone else could do that and probably do it way better than I could because they're focused on that. But I think the key components, getting yourself out of sales, getting yourself out of account management, getting yourself out of media buying, getting yourself out of operations. That's a thing that I think is really commonly overlooked, whether that's initially an executive assistant, or it's someone who's actually running all of operations, getting yourself out of the finance, out of the legal. And in the beginning, you can't necessarily hire someone for every single one of those things. And so, you know, for finance, you know, make sure you've got a bookkeeper and a CPA, make sure you have an attorney, not in house, but have someone on your team liaison with those, those functions for you. Mm-hmm. And I guess this comes back to like hire your weaknesses, but yeah. what in your experience, what was your first hire? Who did, what did you outsource first? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Such a good question. So my first hire was someone we brought in and literally this is how the interview went. What are you hiring for? So we're not really sure. We just know we really need help. <laughs> what would I help, be doing? Help is what we're hiring. Yeah, we're hiring someone who can help. Day to day, what would I be doing? I don't know. Anything you want to do. It, I'm doing all these things. Pick something. Literally, that was how our first hire went. And I don't, know, I don't know why she said yes. I think we owe her so much gratitude for everything she saw through the years. And she actually worked with us right up through um, this past year. And she is just, she's just a gem. And and she really did. She tried all of these different things, found what she was really good at. um, And then that kind of became the thing she was doing, but her personality type, she was really willing to roll up her sleeves and dive in. And she was along for the, the ride and the adventure. So that was our first overall hire. Now, as we pivoted into digital, our first hire was uh, media buying to get me out of media buying. Mm-hmm. And at the time it was a combined role of media buying. And uh, it actually wasn't media buying. I'm sorry. It was account management. It was account management. That's right. Because I couldn't keep up with all the emails and it was a constant distraction and pulling me away from everything. So it was a combined account management and sales role mm-hmm. in one. And um, at least the way we're structured after that experience, we kind of said, okay, these need to be two separate roles. As much as we want to combine them, it's just not the same person. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that's, that's important, Karen. Like you have to kind of speak to just even people's like natural personality, right? Like it might not, the person who does sales might not always be the person who's kind of that nurturing client account manager too. So that's something we definitely look for. And it's really hard to identify sometimes, but personality does. Yeah. That gut feeling that Taylor kind of spoke to earlier. Yeah. Personal. And even within your own team, right. You want their personality to work with your clients, but you also want them to, it's a feel smooth and comfortable mm-hmm. working together as a team. Yeah. Totally. Like someone you want to hang out with, you have to like, you're hanging out with these people for like eight <laughs> to 10 hours a day. 
Yeah. Well, and you have to, they have to be people like when you make friends with people, they're people that you typically can trust and you have to, the people Mm. you hire, you need to be able to trust each other to, to do what you say you're going to do and to do it well. Yep. Absolutely. Um, kind of on that note, Karen, why don't we talk about what processes that you have in place to ensure that your team can work like without you. So you know things are running smoothly. You're not touching everything, which is ideal, right? Do you guys have anything like a best practice? Maybe it's a daily huddle or something like that? Absolutely. We're process nuts and it did not start out that way. Cause like I told you coming from corporate, I was like, no processes, no thanks, <laughs> but that was a terrible idea. So we, the, the first thing that was kind of just going nuts for us was all these. So you hire a team and you think, oh, I'll be less overwhelmed now. And then you're like, wait a minute, I'm paying a bunch of people. My margins have taken a hit and I'm still overwhelmed. How is this happening to me? And because your clients aren't the ones directly getting in contact with you, but your team is. It's, hey, you've got a minute. Hey, I got a question. Hey, where's the thing? Hey, what's, what's next? Uh, can I do this? And so that's where, Katie, you mentioned a daily huddle. And that's exactly, we ended up implementing a daily huddle. And as much as I strongly dislike meetings, or I used to, and I didn't want to do it, I didn't know what else to do. And so I gave it a try and within a week and we ran our daily huddles, it was not perfect. It was like, it was silly compared to what we, what we eventually evolved into doing, but it still worked and it was a game changer for us. And so um, that along with a lot more transparency, we never held back information from our team, but we didn't think they cared about a lot of stuff that we were looking at. And it turns out they really do care and they do want to know and they do need the background because then they feel like a true team because we're all looking at the same scoreboard and we're all moving together towards something. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the daily huddle uh, was, was something that we put in place for accountability. We have built a lot of processes slowly. We still continue to build processes all the time. And we get rid of processes, by the way, the ones that created work, but they weren't adding enough value. Right. So those, yeah, those we get rid of. Um, but as far as putting people in place and being able to trust them, I think it starts with the hiring process, to be honest, because you can't hire people you don't trust and then try to create the trust or think that you're going to build it. You've got you've to hire people that you really believe in and you think can do their jobs and then get out of the way. I think we're actually, I mean, we were always there, but even deciphering between kind of the coachable traits or something you can coach somebody yeah. on versus kind of that natural, just work ethic and sort of person inside of them that you can't, like, you can't really coach things like attitude and work ethic. And, you know, those things are hopefully identifiable in the, in the hiring process, probably a whole other podcast. <laughs> it probably, yeah, definitely. But I do think it starts with understanding who you are as a person, understanding who your agency is and, and identifying those values. And when we hire people, we are matching them up uh, and kind of rating people according to values as well. And so if we think someone's values are, are not a good match with our values, maybe a great match for someone else, then we're not going to put them in the position because it's going to be frustrating for them because they're going to be swimming upstream the whole time. They're going to feel discouraged because we're taking them a different direction. So yeah, I, I totally agree that it it's <laughs> hiring is its own thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And then a little bit like when we're talking about trust, of course we have 
these daily huddles, like what does the daily huddle look like for you? Because we've been talking about doing something like this, but what's involved in that huddle? Like, what are you talking about? Who's in the meeting and how long is it? Like, are you reviewing all your clients and all the stats or is it just high level? Yeah, so we we combined a, a couple of different processes out there. One is traction, which a lot of people know about. Another one is working with Alex Sharfin. Um, and so we combine processes, create a daily huddle. And ours is basically starts out with, it starts out with our client-centric mission statement. And so um, it's as crazy as it sounded to me initially and as repetitive as it might seem, we really start every meeting with reading that client-centric mission statement, reminding us why we're doing what, what we're doing and who is ideal, who, who we really want to work with. And doing that sometimes helps us stop being so close to what we're doing and realize we might have a couple of people who slip through the cracks who are not aligned with us and we need to do something about that. Right. So um, we start with the client-centric mission statement. Then we go to a dashboard where there's complete transparency and you can see where we are versus where we want to be. Um, we're tracking, we're tracking a, a number of KPIs and metrics and then we're going to critical issues. So we don't sit here and go through every client and every task because the processes and the project management system, there's already built-in accountability there. So I don't have to say, hey, do the thing. Did you do the thing? Is the thing done? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's the process takes care of that. And I can rest assured that if even if I don't bring it up, the process will surface that. So we're just going through those critical issues that would otherwise be an interruption in my day or in each other's days. And we'd be blowing each other up on Slack otherwise. Outside of that, probably in some ways, the most important part of the meeting that I never realized was a thing is taking a moment to call out the wins and who's really just kicking butt right now. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs are just so driven forward that they think they don't need it, or maybe they really don't need the pat on the back, but it's so critical to, to let people know where they're winning. Mm. Yeah. I think we forget that. And I think I like that. I like this idea of the daily because I'm the exact same, Karen. I'm like, if you <laughs> add another meeting to my schedule every single day, it's going to throw me right off. But I think it brings up issues and things get resolved so much quicker. Like things could just go on Absolutely. and on and on. Absolutely. And you asked how long they are. So they get shorter and then they start to get longer again. And then we're like, hey guys, let's rein it back in. So they, they fluctuate between 15 and 45 minutes. When, when everything's firing really, really well, it's only 15 minutes. Um, but it gets to be to a place, I promise you, where you don't feel right. Like your day feels off if you haven't had that, that meeting. And you'll replace like three or four other hour-long meetings with this one daily huddle. So it really mm -hmm. is actually a time saver. And when I realized how efficient it was, yeah, it changed everything. So now I don't, yeah, I don't like to miss a daily huddle. We have people who are on their day off or on vacation. They're not supposed to be in the daily huddle. And they call in because they don't want to miss it. And they don't want to miss <laughs> celebrating the wins. Um, nice. And everybody, you ask who's on it. Everybody is on it. Everybody. All hands yep. And was it hard to get buy-in? I don't think so at the point that we established it because we all knew that something wasn't like people were getting held up. I was the bottleneck. They needed more answers to more questions. I needed more bandwidth and headspace. So we all needed something that we weren't getting. And so it's kind of a, hey, this is what we're going to do. And I just kind of said, we're going to implement it. We're going to try it. It's probably going to suck at first. And when it does suck, we're going to figure out what sucks about it. And we're going to make it better 
So bear with us and let's get this a go. And again, it comes back to hiring. We, everyone on our team is, is pretty open-minded to, to give it a shot. Yeah. yeah. I'm just over here scheduling my daily huddle. Like that's <laughs> amazing. I think yeah. it's such a great idea. And just to even, I do struggle on maybe it's global pandemics or whatever, but like when everybody, like Taylor and I are in the same city, she's downtown, I'm in the suburbs. We may as well be countries apart. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't really matter that we have the same area code, you know? So even when you're all virtually just have that one sort of meeting point that even makes you feel sort of part of the team or well-supported, you know, what's going on, you're looped in, you're not in your own little virtual world sitting, you know, in your office for eight hours. I think it's so important just on that level as, as well as all the other sort of, I guess, processes it really, and agency yeah, levels. It draws, draws your team together and we we're fully remote and we've had team across the world, different time zones, different countries. That's maybe the one thing that's probably the most difficult is finding a time that works for everyone, but it's just so important that we make sure that we find the time and we make it work. Yeah. I'm into it. Katie, I'm into it. Are like, you guys in? Hang up with Karen, this go schedule it. the daily huddle. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. So overall, now that you're kind of stepping out and letting go of this control kind of, of the day-to-day, the media buying, the account management, the bookkeeping, the accounting, what does your day look like? Because I know a lot of agency owners or business owners in general will say, well, if I outsource everything, what am I going to do? So yeah. what- your day look like now that you've let go? When you outsource all this stuff and you've got your team managed, you still are doing some team management, um, but at a different level. And it gives you the opportunity as the entrepreneur to carry out the vision because that's the thing that you're, nobody else is assigned the vision, right? Mm-hmm. And it sounds like this really abstract sort of thing, but sometimes it's being the face of your company. And, and I've done a really poor job of that over the years because I was too busy working inside the business to be in a podcast like this with you guys. And so now I get to spend time with other agency owners. I get to be on podcasts like this. I get to work on articles um, and I get to think about the strategic direction of the company as a whole and build that infrastructure and really build support around my team while they're building support around me to protect me. Right. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But it does at first, it feels weird because you're like, oh, wait, what? why am I here? What do I do? Right. And it is a, it's a really uncomfortable feeling. And the first tendency for someone who's super entrepreneurial is like, Oh, I'll go build more businesses, resist the urge for a hot minute and, (laughs) and really think about how you can better support the team that you have in place. Yeah, exactly. I love that. So what I understand is that there's going to be a calendar invite going out right yeah. after. The daily yeah, huddle. everyone's going to be like, yeah. what is this daily huddle? <laughs> you do just have to do it though, because it had been on my radar for a while to do. And I think for two months, I just said we were going to do it, but I needed to work on the deck and I needed to get ready and I needed the agenda and all the excuses that I could come up with because I didn't want to really do it. And when it got to the breaking point, I just, I think on a a Friday said, Hey, Monday, we're gonna do a daily huddle. (laughs) I don't know what it's going to look like. We're just going to do it. Love that. (laughs) Yeah. I wonder if you have any advice for maybe even maybe the tough conversations or are you kind of the, the hard ass CEO or you let somebody (laughs) handle that for you? (laughs) By nature, I'm very direct. And one thing I, di- I didn't do for years a good enough job of is letting people know when they were winning. And so yeah. I, I 
consciously work on that because I do have immense appreciation for my team and they're so talented. And so I, I had to work on making sure that they knew that. But I think I'm, I'm probably come across as the really direct, straight to the point, no BS CEO, but who is a total softy and absolutely <laughs> adores everyone um, that I work with. So like when you first start to work with me, I think people are like, okay, I'm not really sure what to do with this. Um, and then you kind of realize that there's no one more in your corner than, than I am. Um, and that even goes right through leaving the company because I adore these people as individuals and I want them to reach their potential. And even if that means that we are a stepping stone on their way to where they want to be, then I'm, I'm proud to serve that role and to support them in getting where they want to be. Love that. But yeah, tough, when you have that good relationship though, tough conversations, I definitely have them, but with a lot of love and a lot of honesty and transparency. I find that the hardest. Like I'm like too nice. Mm. So that's why I have Katie because she's better at it than me. But um, yeah. you think like, oh, to be a CEO, you have to be tough. You have to be whatever, but like, maybe you don't. You just have to hire people who can help you with that. Well, you also don't have to, to and you shouldn't necessarily be coming down. You can be transparent and have the difficult conversations without being mean. Like there's mm -hmm. no reason to be mean. And I never recommend that. Um, be clear, be transparent. And if you're telling people when you appreciate them and what they're doing right, then occasionally when you have to have a tough conversation, it's a lot easier to have that conversation because you're not beating them up all the time. Right. Um, we have our operations uh, person and, and it, like someone who is really involved in a lot of processes is actually... 10 times size. Like, I don't know a better person than this person. <laughs> so kind. And I used to think, how does she get anyone to do what they need to do by being as nice as she is? Like, nobody's going to do what they need to do. And it blows my mind that with her kindness, people come out of the woodwork and just do the right thing. As long as she's clear with what that thing is, people want to support her and, and protect her and you know, meet those expectations. And I think inherently most people really want to do a good job. They right. just need to know how. Mm -hmm. That's a little full circle moment there too, Taylor, for you, where we first spoke about maybe hiring for your weakness. And there we go. Here's Katie. Enter Katie. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> to wrap up, maybe we'll just see, Karen, if you have any advice for agency owners maybe even agency owners who are struggling a little bit, maybe they're in the weeds. What advice would you give them so they can free themselves of the day-to-day -day and, and maybe even get into this sort of CEO sort of ideal role that we all think of? Yeah, I think the number one piece of advice is to really get out of the way. And I think we look at the things around us, the team members, the projects, the clients, whatever, as if those are the obstacles. And Usually we ourselves are the obstacles. So hire the team, have a good hiring process, get out of the way, um, give your team the processes that will support and protect them. Because I think a lot of people hire people, they innately don't trust the people and they're like, oh, are they really, especially remotely, are they really doing the thing that they're supposed to be doing? And it's almost like you're out to prove your own team wrong. Instead, I recommend that you see your team as being on the same side as you truly put the processes in place to protect them, give them everything they need to succeed and the authority that they need to really be better at that role than, than you ever possibly could be on your own. 
Thanks, Karen. Yeah, Thanks so much, Karen. <laughs> I really appreciate you guys having me on here because I, um, again, I'm, I'm excited about what you guys do. And I think you guys could provide just incredible value and support um, that agency owners really desperately need. And I love the caliber at, at which you guys operate. So yeah, thank you. Yeah. Well, where can people find you and hire you guys for all their lead gen and data studio stuff and just yeah. learn more about you guys? Yeah. Brandcentralmarketing.com. I am also on Facebook. Slide into my DMs or hit me up with any questions because again, something that I'm really passionate about and love doing is, is supporting other agency owners. So yeah, happy to do it. Awesome. Thanks so much for listening into another episode of the Happy Clients Podcast. We hope that you learned what you need to do in your agency to get into that CEO role and let go of the control. We're always encouraging you guys to follow along. Definitely subscribe to the Happy Clients Podcast and anything and everything you need on client account management is at dotandcompany.co. Until next time, cheers. Cheers to happy clients.